and welcome to the Void Fills podcast. I'm Jax. And I'm Rocco. Void Fills is an interactive podcast where we're going to try and bust some stigmas around mental health issues, share advice and tips for getting through tough times, and we'll feature some of our music to hopefully help you relax and chill. At the end of the show, we're going to play some sounds which might be useful when helping you sleep. All the music in the show is listed in the podcast notes. You can send us any questions, thoughts, and share advice by using the hashtag VoidFeels. It's important to remember that Rocco and I aren't healthcare professionals, so please be sure to speak to your doctor, a trusted family member, or contact one of the organisations listed in the podcast notes if you're worried about your well-being or safety. That lovely dark tune has tweeted us with the hashtag void feels. They've said, how have your own mental struggles impacted how you make music and what music you make? It impacts quite a lot, I know, for both of us. I think if you listen to it, you would see what what our mental <laughs> yeah. uh, state has done to our music. Um, I, I just I feel like it's um, made me write in a more honest way. Yeah, and I think that there's no pressure to lie in any way. I feel like yeah. everything we write is real. There's nothing that we ever just put in for the fun of it. You know, no, like everything is kind of it's kind of just getting the truth out and your your feelings out. But also, I find don't know about you, but we write about our feelings that are quite dark and mm. sometimes quite dark, but also we might have a you know a good period. Yeah. But the the stuff we put around it without knowing, which is crazy, is quite relaxing. Yeah. Even though the 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 meaning behind it is quite quite sad because our you know our feelings are getting out mm. there, but it's actually quite relaxing. Yeah, I think we 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 like to use the more spacious and relaxing tones. Yeah. Things that just don't grate on you, I suppose, when you're in that mental state. And I think yeah. because we we're genuinely in that mental state when we write it. Yeah. You're not going to put something in there that would annoy us or... Like, if we were listening to it, we didn't write it, we were listening to it, we wouldn't put, like, a sound in there that would bring us out of the song or, or that would just doesn't match how yeah. we feel. No, definitely. So I suppose it, like, grants us a freedom in a sense. But, yeah, I think it's a sort of therapy for us to be able to, to write honestly. It and gets, it's not it's as... Like what the... Our music isn't... Like, I'm not going to lie and say our music's widespread. Our music isn't that far out there yet that people will hear it who aren't necessarily experiencing the same thing as us. Yeah. But the people who listen to it at the moment seem to relate to it and take something from it. So right now, our headspace is helping others, which is really nice, and it helps us a lot to know that when we're, we're writing. So Yeah, it feels like we have a purpose to write to help others. Yeah, exactly. And it helps us as well. It's like a double thing, mm, which is what we want from this community. We want to help you guys, and at the same time, like it's nice to see you tweeting and all this kind of stuff. It helps us massively. So thank you. Definitely. The author of the next question has asked to remain anonymous. What should I do if my friend struggles with depression or a mental illness? But as soon as I try to help, she refuses and says I'm fine. Even though the only thing she can talk about is how her life sucks and how terrible she feels. So, what are the ways to be supportive of a friend with mental illness slash depression if you can't physically help them or if they don't want any help? She's had depression for some months now and are just slowly coming out of what I think is depression at the moment. I've tried to talk to her but she won't open up to me because she's afraid of abandonment. 
but just in general, how can you be supportive of a friend with depression or mental illness if they don't know how to ask for help? I hope all of this makes sense. It's just being there for them, isn't it? It's people people kind of yeah. ask for help in their own time. Or some people don't. Like I, I know someone uh, who's a friend of a friend. <laughs> you know, whenever I've been around that person, you can just tell they're just sitting there and that you want to help them because they look so mm. scared and alone. And I know, like we both know what it is, what it's like. Yeah. We, you know, sometimes in in our journey of mental health, in one point in my life, I know I didn't want help, but I think just trying, you know, daily messages, just being like, yo, what's up? Don't bring up the how you feeling question. It's just being there for them and, and, and not mm. like referencing the fact that you think that they're depressed or it's just treating them like a normal person because that's how you want to be treated. Yeah. You don't want people to kind of recognise the fact that you're feeling that way, I suppose. And when they're ready to feel, ready to open up about it, they will in their yeah, own time. they'll come to you straight away. Yeah, I just yeah. think for now it's just having that physical presence. Just yeah. having, like, just knowing that there's someone there yeah. if you need to talk to them. Like, if you need someone to talk to, they're there. And when you, when you can tell, you know, they're, they're really low, you know, you're their friend, go, go and just surprise them, go around the house and be like, yo, I've got a movie, popcorn. Just don't treat them any different. Yeah, just be like, oh, you're having a bad day. All right, let's, let's go do something. Let's chill. Yeah. And the hardest thing is, is that if someone doesn't want to be helped they will not let you help them. Yeah. So it's it's silly to waste your own energy and, and for it to bog you down if you know that they don't want help right now. Just just offer them that lifeline, I suppose, that, that so they know that you're always there for them if if they need you. Yeah. Just just write it out. That's like, all you can do. You're yeah. you're not you're not a, a healthcare expert like and neither are we, but you can always offer them that emotional presence. You, yeah. You've always got that person that you can open up to if you need to. Yeah, you, you might give them that lifeline now and then two months later, they'll come back to you and you'll be like, oh my gosh, great. doesn't matter mm. how long it takes for them to come back to you. Yeah. They will eventually come around and say, oh, you know, I really need your help or thank you for being there. Can we have a chat? A nice little way of doing it as well is to kind of open yourself up first because I, I, f I feel like people I've spoken to in the past, if I've kind of initiated the openness, if that makes yeah, sense. No, like yeah. If I've said, like, oh, I'm having a bad day today, then it's easier for that person to turn around and be like, oh, I've had a bad day too, and you yeah. talk about it. But, but if you, um, yeah, it's just being sensitive towards the fact that they may have had a really bad day or a week or, yeah, you know, and, and just offering that kind of support no, and just being there to kind of catch them if, if, if you need to kind of thing. Yeah. Here's a message from someone who would prefer to remain anonymous. So they DM'd us on Twitter. All you need to do is search void with a zero instead of an O because we're quirky like that. We couldn't make it too easy for you to find us, obviously. And this question is, I struggle constantly with my mental health. I've a good job and have lots of qualifications and work with nice people in a large company, but I'm afraid to tell even my closer friends in the office about my problems. I'm scared that if I open up, people will think I'm incapable of doing my job. Suppressing it is causing more stress and sadness. It's a vicious cycle. What are your thoughts on this, please, guys? Sorry for the long message. I love your music, by the way, and thank you for reading this. I think the fact that they've noticed that they are successful is a great thing. That's a really, that's a positive thing. Mm. But also, no matter how big your company is or how, how important the company is, your mental health should not be hidden by that. Yeah. If you're struggling, they're not going to, you know, 
well, they shouldn't laugh at you. It ju- it just comes back to um, like the, stigma the stigmas around it, around it and, yeah. and the way people were educated on it. And I think that, um, like you said, the fact that you've acknowledged that um, that you have a good job and you're you're good at your job, it's it's nice to for someone who's struggling with these things to be able to see that like, recognize that like a positive thing about yeah. themselves. And and I think if you, it's hard always to open up to people about these kind of things, but you might be surprised how open these people are about it. And if they aren't open about it, then it may trigger something within themselves that they want to go and learn about it and they can educate themselves and come back and help this person yeah. because they don't know how, how many people within their business and company struggle with the same things. And it's probably, yeah. it's very likely that it's not just this person struggling. And that's that's easy to forget as well, that maybe you feel isolated and you feel on your own. But I'm sure if you reached out, you'd find that there's a common ground between some people. You know, you might even find, you know, the person exactly like you who's worried to talk about it, and then mm. you two can relate and just bounce off each other and just keep each other going. But it's a good example that her mental health like shows no prejudice. Oh, hundred percent. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what background you're from, like how rich you are, whether you've got a good job, it still affects people. Which other people need to notice that. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter how successful you are. Exactly. You've got to think they are human. They might be going home and they might be having a really hard time. Mm. You don't know. I put on the front. You're probably most definitely putting on the front. It's good that they've said that they've recognised that within themselves, like suppressing it causes them more stress and sadness. Because it is true. The more you hold it within yourself, yeah. the more it builds up. And the it's like pressure in it. The pressure builds up and then eventually you're going to blow. Yeah, and it's good that they've realised that that's kind of building up, and it's not healthy. To yeah, you just need to let it out. There's all these, there's all these places now where you can like send a text. I know it sounds like people don't want to do this kind of thing, but but for some people companies. it helps because it, yeah, you know, people are so on their phones these days that sending a text and having someone reply saying it's okay mm. might be easier than picking up the phone. Yeah, like yeah. I know for me, talking on the phone, I get all stuttery and yeah, you don't whereas if I'm on the text, it's easier to write, isn't easy. it, than speak? Yeah. But I think it's true. Like I wish we could um, kind of create a forum or something where people can go and feel safe and that they can talk about these kind of things because it would help so many people. 100%. People don't even need to read it. Sometimes just writing it down, it is, getting yeah. it out of your head helps so much. It's like the I used to do, if I had a negative thought, I well, in therapy I got taught to write it down on a piece of paper mm. and like screw it up really, really tight Yeah. and then get all your the emotion that you're feeling in that, you know, in that squeeze and then just launch it to the other side of the room yeah because then you've got that emotion and feeling out and it's gone mm. it, it helps i know it sounds really silly but it does that's help. true i think the same thing once it's out in the open like i've said before if, if you build things up in your head it's very very easy to kind of make it this thing and put it on a pedestal and make it this massive thing that it's not if you speak about it with anybody or if you um go to one of these charities where you can openly talk to someone and you get a text back even if you don't reply just sending that message and getting it out of your head and processing that thought and getting rid of it will help yeah. you like immensely yeah you know it'll be a relief like you'll yeah, generally yeah. be like i can breathe it's, it's like like it's literally a weight off your shoulder yeah it is and in reference to the last part of your message, Anonymous, we appreciate the love and the support you are showing towards our music. Um, it means a lot to us both, so thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break from the questions now, and we're going to play you one of our tracks. Enjoy. I'm out away somewhere Like a score time to attend A pen to me is like a to them 
There's a question here from at Void1975, two fantastic bands uh, put together in a name. The question being, with the hashtag VoidFeels, what is the story of your mental health? You can share as little or as much as you like. How do you get through day to day? Do you want to go first? Yeah. uh, Wow. I think uh, my mental health was kind of at high school. Never got bullied. Mm. nothing um i think it was my self love of myself it's kind of well like your body image yeah because i was quite a big kid yeah um and you know it never bothered me no one ever really said you know oh fat kid they never said that word because you know i was the music kid yeah so that didn't bother me but it was myself um and i think that got into my head without knowing Mm. so then you know, start to lose weight and everything, do really good. And then you, I got addicted to it. I got addicted to the compliments of being, being like, wow, you look great. You know, and, and for well, me... When you were losing weight? Yeah. And then... How old were you? I was about year nine or ten. So you were like 14? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's when social media starts getting into your life a bit more. Mm. You're looking at these people going, oh, I've got to look like that. I've got to do this. Um, and you know, it got out of hand. And as I got older and older, I started abusing exercise to the extreme and restricting, and that formed the eating disorder, body dysmorphia, which is, you know, it's kind of it's a mental health issue where you, you know, you can't stand your body and you do anything to make yourself. In my case, I wanted to get as thin and as skinny as possible. Um, and then from that, that's when my depression came in because you know you're restricting your brain needs that food which i didn't know at the time which is then bringing in all these crazy trippy thoughts like you should self-harm because you're not losing weight quick enough you should you know do other things to hurt yourself because Mm. you're not you're not good enough you you know you're not as skinny as a rake yet do you feel like when you weren't eating and you were over exercising that was in a way like a form of self-harm yeah, I mean, yeah, 100% looking back on it now. Um, but then, you know, I left school. I did some music things, um, which led me to kind of come out of education. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to pursue it. Um, and I got into an environment where you have to look a certain way and mm-hmm. you have to be, you know, what they call attractive. And that got even worse for my eating disorder. And then you, you get to a state of where you're... All you can think about with anorexia is how can I burn off calories that I haven't even eaten? Yeah. And that's when it got so bad that the self-harm started getting more. 
suicidal thoughts started getting in. And you, you don't know, and everyone around you is scared the hell because you look, you know, yeah. like death. I, I, I remember I had a goal in my head when I was losing weight, and it was around nine stone when I started. Well, I said I wanted to get to about nine stone because I was quite a big kid. And eventually down my story, you know, my parents checked me into a, an eating disorder in a clinic for children and my weight plummeted and I weighed less than five stone two at the age of 16. Mm. And then, you know, that got worse and I didn't put on any weight. By the age of 18, I was still the same weight. And then because of the environment that I was in, I started abusing uh, drugs and alcohol. Mm. Um, and I remember the, the first time I did it, I'm not going to lie, I felt amazing. I felt... What, the first time you, you drank? Drugs. Drugs. Um, you know, I was like, all my problems are gone. That's it. I found my cure. I generally thought that. Um, and then that got worse because that turned into addiction. And I was constantly chasing that. Um, and then because I got into this addiction of chasing drugs, if I didn't have that, my low mood would be suicidal. Mm. And I remember the first time I tried to take my own life was probably, I was about 17. And I had my first car, which I was very lucky to have. And I was in a relationship at the time, which mm. was a bit iffy. And, you know, the drugs, the eating, my mental state. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm, I don't want to be here anymore. And I got in my car. I think it was about 9 o'clock in the evening. And I said to my parents, oh, I'm just going out, see some friends. Um, and I remember hours down the line, they reported me as a missing person. Mm. And they reported me missing because I remember I ditched my car. I went and got a load of drink and drugs and I was going to jump off a bridge in my area and I was standing on the edge of this bridge and I was I was gonna go I was like that's it and then out of nowhere I don't know how or what um this chopper flew up above me with a massive searchlight on and without me knowing there was about three cars around me three cop cars underneath me and then two coppers next to me mm. Um, and then I got sectioned for my, my mental health. Um, and that's where, for me, personally, that was the lowest. Um, Do you know what, though? I've heard that story before, but it's still, like, really hard to listen to. But even in the time that like, I've known you, I met you years ago before we even started Void, and I wouldn't have looked at you and thought, yeah, th this kid, like, is troubled, like, in that kind of way. And looking at it now, when, when we first started Void, you were like really really small and you wouldn't eat like I'd be like do you, do you want to go and get some food and you're like nah nah I don't want, nah, I don't want to get some yeah. food and look at like the improvement and the strength you've shown to get here must be an inspiration for so many people because obviously we're really open with each other but we can go and get food and and even that must be such a massive thing for you to go from there to here yeah. in in the years that we've we've known each other and we've been together is incredible and I think that story will help so many people because the amount that you were putting up with and, and you went through and the strength and the resilience you showed, like, I think that night on that bridge was, it meant to happen that you mm. were there and they, they pulled you off it because you're here now and you're you're doing music and, and you're releasing things that in turn is helping so many more people. 
Yeah. And I respect that. And I'm sure everybody else listening oh. to it respects that, man. And that's honest as well. You won't find people, you won't find lads, many lads your age who can like openly admit that to people. Yeah. And that's good. And that's what we need to be doing. What's your story? I was the same as you. I, I didn't really get affected by it until I was 19. And um, it was really weird because mine was like a trigger. Like I was watching something on telly and something triggered in my mind, something that this person said. And it sounds stupid as hell, but from then... From that, that's the moment I can pinpoint where it all changed. And I won't say what it is. I won't personally say what it is, but it really, really messed me up. And, and it from then on in, inside me, I, I just sort of another brain appeared in my own brain. I was thinking mm. things I never thought before. I was worrying about things that I'd never thought before. I was convincing myself that I'd done things and things had happened which I hadn't done, that almost as if someone was in my head, like, tormenting me, like, haunting me. And it got to a point where I was in my flat alone one night and I was like just sitting on a window ledge, the same, like in, in floods of tears. And I was like moments from rolling out. But instead of someone spotting me, something in myself, I looked over to my phone and, and I saw someone had texted me and I thought, fuck, I'm gonna call this person because I literally, I'm gonna do something stupid. And I called this person and, and he managed to talk me down as it were. And, and ever since I've just been played with these intrusive thoughts and and what gets me the most is that it's the closest people in my life that it targets. Yeah. And and the thing the, the thoughts that go through my head are like I just can't even describe it. it. It genuinely is just they play over and over and over and it torments me and and I, I think I have like mild OCD. And mm. when I saw my therapist about it, um, obviously all of these thoughts get trapped in my head. And like a normal person, you think about it, it just leaves. You don't dwell on it. Yeah. But it's almost as if like the darkest things you could ever imagine just constantly going on my head constantly 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 and that that's what like kind of sent me over the edge and that in turn played with my eating couldn't eat because i just had this pit of worry in my stomach the whole time and i like i couldn't eat at all every every time i'd eat i'd be sick and that had to do with the anxiety and all that kind of stuff and i just haven't managed to get over it still still to this day like six years ago nothing has changed i've managed to find coping mechanisms Mm. Um, I've gone through the whole drugs thing and, and, and all that kind of stuff and that's still, I still use that as an out but in my own head there's a lot of work to do still and I think there's been so many occasions where I've just it sounds terrible but like I've just been in my car and I've just gone pull my car into that wall you know yeah. you just get those like it's those urges that just worry me because I never had those thoughts until that point in my life and then all of a sudden I I just started thinking these things and I'm like, what, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why me? Like I didn't have any of these thoughts before. I'm not a bad person. Like, I'm, why is this attacking me? And it's, it's, what, it's that isolation you feel as well, like when you don't want to tell anybody. Because these thoughts, I, if I told someone, they'd be like, nah, I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Because they're that messed up. Yeah. I didn't feel normal. And you don't want to talk to people because you don't feel normal. And, and when I went for my, my one CBT session that I've had ever, that's the only one I've ever had, the guy was like, why are you thinking this stuff? You love that person. So your brain is attacking that person because subliminally you love that person so much that your brain is targeting that thing. Yeah. And once you've managed to map that out, you realise, but at the time when it happens, you you, you just want to die. You don't yeah. want to think those things anymore because you, you feel like a disgusting person or you feel like bad. Or So that was mine. I think mine's based around like intrusive thoughts and anxiety and mm. and that put me in such a low place for such a long time. I I wouldn't leave the house. I just, I couldn't walk along the street. Yeah. Because you you think that 
you're a lesser person. No one knows what's going on, but in your own head, you just feel like, I felt ashamed of myself. And, and in that sense, that really like hurt me. And I think that scarred me deep. Like I still get moments where I'm like, it comes back to me in like waves. And I'm like, nah, this needs to yeah. end now. I can't deal with this anymore. But I'm glad that I did manage to push through it because you, like you said, you learn to deal with it. And you realize that it's, you're not the only person going through that thing. There's so many people going through that kind of stuff. And and once you realize that and, and there's that community or that group of people, it's easier to deal with in a sense. Yeah, what you said, I can totally relate with the thoughts. And mm. like like you said, you can't you can't get rid of them. No. But the fact that you've learned mechanisms to at oh, least yeah. lower them thoughts in, in your head, like yeah. that's great. And that's an achievement because okay, they might still be there and you can't control that. We never will, I don't think. Mm. In, in in our head to be true, but I genuinely feel like I'm a different person. That's what's so weird to me is in that moment that that thing triggered in my head. I feel like I lost a part of me. Then that's gone. That part yeah. is gone, and it's so weird because I feel like you feel totally it sounds disconnected horrible. to it. Yeah, and I feel disconnected from myself. Like sometimes yeah. someone can be speaking to me and I just glaze over. Don't know yeah. what I'm thinking about, but yeah, it's hard. But I think. Like I said to you, the difference from then to now for you personally is just astounding, man. And you keep pushing through. You've got to think your thoughts as well. The fact that you've settled them down a bit, even though they, you know, they come in waves, mm. that's great. That You can kind of control them a little bit more. That's, like, mad. And that's what's really good about, you know, what, what me and Jax are trying to do. We're trying to build a community, a safe place where you can come and talk to us because I think, you know, we've shared a bit of our story and we hope that, that will invite you to be like, okay, you know, we we're we experiencing it. it still, aren't we? We're still yeah. learning in ourselves, and we can try and help you and and as much as we can personally, from the same level as you. We're not doctors, no. we're, we're not mental health experts, but we're in it with yeah. you. This is the thing, void. We're filling that void with people, like-minded people. We want to help you as much as we can, and just share what we can, and hopefully bust these negative stigmas that surround this stuff. Because we, we need to. We both don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or whatever. We might be really great tomorrow. We might have another low, but we w we want to be there for you in our music and also online as well. So stay present. So, yeah, we got a bit a bit heavy there, but I think we're going to get a bit heavier with the <laughs> no, next no. question. Brace yourselves. It's a, it's a big one. I mean, this could be the debate. Of the century. Of the century. This is coming from Michaela. She's asked, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? I feel very strongly about pineapple on pizza. Strongly in what way? In a very good way. Oh, do you want me to talk you through my, my order, like, if I get pizza? Go on then. So, right, you get pineapple, mm -hmm. but double pineapple. Like, you have to have extra pineapple because nice. it's too good. Pepperoni. Pe okay. Jalapenos. Oh. And then stuffed crust. Nothing but like else. you have to have extra pineapple because otherwise it just it's not the same. So you're not having the standard pineapple and ham. Nah, allow the ham. You just no, I don't like ham. Really? Well, I do, but I'm, I'm not fond of it. You know what? I, I would genuinely just eat pineapple pizza. I do like pineapple, and pineapple and pizza is great. Yeah. And Why would it not be? Great? Says that it's not. It's breaking the law. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that pineapple on pizza is it deserves the salt and vinegar crisps of the pizza world. Whoever came up with it deserves to have that star on the Star Walk of Hollywood. Yeah. Pineapple but, Walk of Fame. 
It's un <laughs> pineapple <laughs> fame. If you can have, this is the thing though. In British culture, from a very young age, pineapple and cheese is promoted as a, a good thing. It's do you, a posh, do you not remember it's pineapple? A posh thing, isn't it? Do you not remember pineapple and cheese hedgehogs? Uh, like all those parties you went to. Yeah, and they come on a cocktail stick that you could pick out yeah. the pineapple things in your teeth. Yeah, exactly. So from there, the natural progression is margarita pizza with pineapple. Exactly. You're, you're just missing... Yeah, British love sandwiches. You've given us a cheese and pineapple. <laughs> you wouldn't have a cheese and pineapple sandwich, though. Oh, that would be... Oh. On tiger bread. Oh. Just please, if, if you ever come to see us in a show, um, pineapple pizzas will not be rejected by us. Like We will take them with open arms. We should make it a thing that... If you come to a show, with a the only pizza. way in is with a pineapple pizza. But don't forget the garlic dip because oh. you just ruin the whole pizza. Garlic dip. Pretty much. You have to have the garlic dip. And some chicken wings. I'll give them a miss, but I'll just take, the, take the garlic sauce. Yeah, all right. That's, that's <laughs> the deal. Pineapple pizza and you're into the show. So with For free. Don't worry about tickets. No, that's it. Crusty. Crusty. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has sent in questions anonymously or with their name. We appreciate it so much. It helps us build these podcasts. And um, it's been really interesting reading through these questions today and answering them with, with yourself, Rocco. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, if we can help, then we'll try our best to give our take on things. And um, not alone, just keep them coming and we'll try our best to help. And thank you for your honesty as well. It really means a lot. So if you have anything you want to ask us or have any topics that you'd like us to discuss, please send anything through to us using the hashtag VoidFeels. We enjoy hearing all of your questions and topics and we can't wait to talk about them. But for now, I've been Jax. I've been Rocco. See you on the flip side. Take care. We love you. Void.
The Void Fills podcast is a Zakuti production in association with Pod People Productions.